up, Avs fans? Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast. You're probably already scratching your head, wondering who the hell is this? Where the hell is JJ? (laughs) He ain't back yet, and I'm the guy that never talks. I am Patrick Stedman. With me here, uh, the man, the dude, Arif Dean. And we're going to talk Avs for a little while here. So, uh, again, this is the Hockey Mountain High podcast, your go-to avalanche podcast, and it is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook, and Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster. So, without further ado, let's get into it a little bit, man. Avs coming off of a a couple games, and let's break them down for the fans here. Yeah, uh, thank you for joining me as much as I, God, I just missed. JJ, just kidding. I don't want to pump his tires too much. I would much rather have somebody speaking with me than 45 minutes of me talking to literally nothing. I've gotten nothing but positive (laughs) reviews for that podcast last week that I did from Toronto. But That's because you haven't consulted me yet. Yes. I'm I'm going to give you a massive thumbs right in the middle. No, I'm just kidding. You did great. You did great. Five out of 10. It's all good. Well, I'm back in Denver now. We're ready to rock and roll. The Avalanche will hopefully be back in Denver here very soon. I assume late tomorrow night. But I'm going to start with a little bit of a pop quiz, Patrick. I'm going to put you on the spot here for a sec. And here's what I'm going to ask you. Question number one. This one's a little bit easier. And I'll be doing these pop quizzes throughout the show. I have 11 goals and 11 assists. I have 22 points in 19 games. Who am I? Nazem Kadri? No, no, close. And you're not supposed to get it right. It's totally fine. I'm Kale McCarr. And I am on pace for over 40 goals and over 40 assists as a defenseman. I talked about this on the episode in Toronto that the Toronto media in that press conference pregame with Jared Bednar were gushing over Kale McCarr. Somebody asked how, how reasonable it is for him to score 30 and Bednar's like, yeah, he can do it. And if you remember, the last guy to do it was Mike Green. And then the dude sitting by me was like, what about 40? And the whole place was like, what? And he was like, and I mean that like with all seriousness, Ken McCarr score 40 in this league. And the funny part is all of that gushing happened before the goal. We saw him score yesterday against the Philadelphia Flyers, which Jared Bednar called very Paul Coffey-like because that's the guy he grew up watching. But the entire hockey world was thinking number four, Bobby Orr. Holy shit, what a goal. Dude, yeah, beauty, top shelf. It was a power play goal. It was, boy, it was just gorgeous, man. I, I felt myself almost puck watching as if I was on the ice, but of course I'm puck watching. I'm sitting on my couch just staring at a television, but damn, what a good looking goal that was. The funny thing about it is like, so he took the puck from the avalanche's zone. He skated up as if like he wasn't breaking a sweat. He just did his little thing at the blue line where he like turns his hip a little to the side to be like, oh, I'm going to drop past it. No, I'm not because McKinnon doesn't score anymore. So I'm going to keep the puck. I'm just <laughs> making a joke there. Um, I swear to God, I'm not a McKinnon hater like like I am a Sam Gerrard hater. Just kidding there too. But yeah, so he does that little, he does that little turn and then he just keeps going up. And it looked like everybody was watching him. And at the end of it, you're like, what the hell are the Philadelphia Flyers doing? All five guys in the goalie just watched him skate in very nonchalantly and casually. And then you think you sit back and you're like, well, it wasn't five skaters. It was four for starters because it was a PK. But like you sit back and it's like, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. But it's not. It's it's something that only a few in the NHL could do. We've seen Eric Johnson try it a few times over the years. But even with him, it never looked as smooth and simple and silky as what we saw from number eight. 
we have kind of a crazy thing going on with our blue line. I I get reminded almost daily about how amazing and how elite Kale McCarr is, and I say, yeah, of course he is. He's a D guy, though. And then I watch him play, and I'm like, you know, he's more than that. He's He scores with such finesse, and him and, and Taze are both sitting there at, at more than a point per game on average, and it's just this blue line's blowing my mind right now. Yeah, I mean, Kale McCarr, listen, man, his rookie season, he had 50 points in 57 games. And then last year, casual 44 and 44. And right now he's at 22 and 19. He's literally four points away from averaging a point per game in his career. And he's played already 120 games. Like this guy is going to score what? what? Like what's he going to put up? Seven, eight, 900 points in his first yeah. seven, eight, 900 games? Like what? what's the ceiling for somebody like this who's still, uh, what, 23 years old, I want to say? Yeah, he's 23 now. By the way, uh, I, I like how you're already getting used to me cutting you off like I do with JJ. Go ahead, take it. <laughs> no, I just kind of trying to play the role here, man, for sure, because he, he's definitely way more comfortable on the mic. I can already tell myself, uh, you're timid, you're not saying the right stuff. JJ would be doing way better than you right now. Not to pump his tires too much. No, no, don't don't pump his tires. We're going to have to edit that part out. We don't want him to make make him feel too happy and excited about not, you know, about being a big part of the show. He's just the host, you know. He's on his way out. No, I'm just kidding. We love you, Jay. But no, getting into kind of you kind of briefly mentioned it a little bit, but McKinnon, um, you know, he hadn't he had an assist. Um, would you consider him slowly getting back to the old McKinnon, or what's your what's your take on McKinnon lately? The last couple of games. So here's kind of where I am with Nathan McKinnon. Um, he is still the elite guy in the NHL, but I think what he realized during those ten games that he was out is he doesn't need to do it all. And the Avalanche have, I mean, look, it's its its no question. Like for the last three years, Makar, Rantanen, Landeskog, even Nazem Kadri, all these guys have been around him. But the more we see the growth of Kel Makar, the more we see the growth of a late bloomer in Devon Taves, the more we see how much Valerie Nichushkin, by the way, Valerie Nichushkin, uh, I just pronounced his name twi- uh, two different ways, but Nichushkin, um, <laughs> his importance to this team, I think kind of goes flies under the radar as like a late bloomer, a late bloomer similar to what Devon Taves was with the Islanders. So we'll talk about him later, but he's starting to see all these guys develop. Miko Ranton is still putting up points. Gabe Landeskog signed his big country and his big contract. And suddenly he's back to the mean guy. He was, you know, five, six years ago, he's still putting up over a point per game. Sam Gerrard still doing his thing. He's got 13 points in I think 19 games or 20 games now. And he's looking around and thinking, I don't need to do it all. And obviously the easy one that I forgot, the guy with 30 points, Nazem Kadri, who has points in 14 of his last 15 games. So like McKinnon came back knowing he doesn't have to do it all. But the other thing that I'm going to say is he's not going to shoot 2.9% the entire year. He's not going to score one goal every 12 games the entire year. I did tweet out a little funny joke yesterday saying it's, I'm really excited for McKinnon to finally hit 100 points this year because he's never done it but with like 98 assists. But the funny thing is, if you if you do the math, so McKinnon's missed 10 games. He's going to play 72 maximum this year, assuming he doesn't miss any more regular season games. Right now, he's on pace. If you just crunch his numbers, pace, you know, over the year for 72 games, he's on pace for six goals and 96 assists in, in 72 games. That's obviously not going to happen. He's not going to hit 96 assists, or maybe he will, but he's going to score more than six goals. But what I'm seeing from McKinnon is, he's not going to give it his all in the regular season and that's fine. And I don't mean that as like, he's taken a step back or he's 
letting his foot off the pedal a little bit or off the gas. I just think that he thrives in the playoffs. And, you know, every year we have the same conversation. The entire regular season, we're all huffing and hawing over how amazing Connor McDavid is. And then the playoffs come around. Nathan McKinnon scores seven goals in the first round or 10 goals in, in, in a round and a half. And we're all like, holy shit, this is the best player in the NHL. And it's usually because McDavid's out of the playoffs by then, which, you know, I'm not sitting here saying McKinnon's better than McDavid, but that's always where the conversation flips. So I think this is fine. And it's the fact that the Avalanche are this high scoring team and McKinnon has one goal. It's fine. He's going to pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. It makes it easier to say that with, um, you know, Kadri playing like he is, Nachushkin looking elite like he's been looking lately. And, you know, someone that we haven't talked about in this episode yet, but who's absolutely created the new ceiling for himself is Logan O'Connor. I mean, every year he's come back looking stronger. And, you know, this most recent game isn't really an exception. I'm not sure if he's on the score sheet because I didn't do any research because I'm, you know, lame. Oh, yeah, he is. That beauty of a shorthanded assist with Eric that's Johnson. That's the one. That's the yes. one. So, yeah. Oh, and, and yes. That pass across to EJ. And then EJ, of course, just, you know, just a beautiful shot. And so you reminded me, absolutely. And so we can't forget that just because Nathan McKinnon isn't at top of the scoring sheet does not mean we're not producing goals, obviously. Exactly. And and that's the thing. I mean, look, McKinnon, and, and the funny thing is he's not even having a slow season. Like he's on pace. Again, he's on pace for over 100 points in a 72-game season for himself because he's already missed 10. Uh, that's better than he's ever done. He had 99 and 82 the last time we had a full year, and he's never hit 100 points before. So McKinnon is doing fine. He's just not scoring at the pace he usually scores at. And it's, it's not something we should be worried about. If this happens in the playoffs, yes, that's a different story, but he's proven time and time again, I believe he has a third, maybe it's the fourth best uh, points percentage in the NHL in NHL history in the playoffs behind greats. I think it's just Gretzky and Lemieux that are ahead of him. So that's Nathan McKinnon, Logan O'Connor. I mean, we've been gushing about him all year. He's up to three goals and seven assists, 10 points in 22 games. The same amount of games he played last year, he had three goals and two assists in them last year. The funny thing is with Logan O'Connor is when he signed that contract in the beginning of the year, three years, 1.05 million per year, everybody was like, oh, you know, that's, that's a good depth guy to kind of play on the fourth line for three years, making a million. And now the Avalanche are laughing their way to the bank like this dude's going to play top nine and be a big part of our team. And after this season, because his contract hasn't even started yet, he's on he's on the on the books for another three years at one point zero five, which is damn important for a team that's about to pay McKinnon how much they're going to pay him. Yeah, X amount. And that X is a number that you have to imagine is is very, very high because he's going to I mean, the salary that he can command is obviously, um, you know. It's going to be up there probably with top salaries in the league. Yeah. And, and, and look, here's the thing. So the avalanche just to kind of, you know, touch back up on that game yesterday, they obviously beat the Philadelphia Flyers 75, uh, seven to five, not 75. Although it feels like they're scoring 75 goals a game. Um, a lot went on. And the crazy thing is like, it's hard to really touch on everything from that game because the key to this is offense. The avalanche are scoring a lot of goals. During this four-game road trip, they've scored 19 goals. They've also surrendered 20 because their third and fourth string goalies have played every game, and that's fine. I mean, I know the Avalanche want to clean it up. Eric Johnson talked about it yesterday. Jared Bednar talked about it yesterday. But you're not going to surrender 20 goals in four games when your starter and hopefully, you know, the guy we haven't seen since the bubble playoffs, Pavel Francouz, are back. But they've scored 19 goals. They've managed to go 2-1-1. and Anytime they have a high-scoring game, they're in it. 
against Toronto. Obviously, they weren't in it. They had the whole Goldie situation that happened last second. Um, Onanen came in for Johansson in Ottawa. And the Avalanche kind of scraped and clawed their way back in to get it to overtime before the overtime winner from Brady Kachuk, six to five. They, you know, shut down Montreal, beat them four to one. And then yesterday where their rookie goalie made his first career start and won it, even though he let in five goals, because at the other side, the Avs scored seven. Obviously, two of those goals came from Eric Johnson and Kale McCarr. So the defense has now scored in 12 straight games, which is the third most in NHL history. The record is 16, and I think they can do it. Everything about this team right now just screams offense. It's a historic pace and they're and they're doing things. They're scoring goals at a pace that I've I, I didn't know they could do with this team after losing Brandon Saad, after losing Jonas Donskoy, and all those other guys they got rid of. Obviously, you know, more depth pieces like Calvert and Belmar in them. And they didn't replace them with anybody but Darren Helm. And let's call up Alex Newhook and a couple other rookies and just give it a go. Yeah, not to take too much time out to talk about it, but man, that that Newhook goal was great too. Another power play goal. You love to see those. And here I am talking like JJ. You love to see it. Um, <laughs> no, no, I like to see it. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, that a little bit of a bouncing puck goal, but still a beauty from Newhook there in that first period. Um, so yeah, with that said, um, let's maybe talk a little bit about that you know, fresh goalie start in Ottawa. What, what, uh, what was your thoughts on Eustace and how did he play in your eyes? So he came in, in the Ottawa game and I know he let in a goal early, but then he kind of settled in. He gave the avalanche an opportunity to come back from down five two, and then letting in a goal late to Brady Kachuk on the breakaway. It is what it is. McKinnon tried to get it over to Taves and it went the other way, whatever. That's fine. Against Philadelphia in the game that he played the full 60 minutes, I think he was fine. There was a lot of things that he needs to clean up. And I know that he knows that Jared Bednar, we all know it. He's still getting used to North American ice. He's coming from Finland, playing on a different kind of ice surface. He's still very young. He's 21. But the biggest thing is for him, and I was actually going to tweet this, but I forgot to. And then I blinked twice and Philadelphia scored twice. But as soon as the avalanche took a four to one lead, I thought to myself, man, if you're on and in, it feels good to know that you have a three goal cushion where you can surrender two more goals and your team still has four. But then he surrendered those two goals in the first period. And you're like, (laughs) crap. Well, suddenly there goes his cushion. The next one he lets in, it's a tie game. But then the second period starts and Val makes it 5-3 and you're like, oh, so there's that cushion again. He knows he can let up to four goals in and it kept growing. So what he did was... He let them get close, but he never broke and let them kind of take over the game. It helps that at the other side of the rink, the Avalanche were putting up 50 shots. There was a little bit of a moment there um, watching Unin play that I I don't know if it's a high hockey IQ play. I don't know if it's a great goalie play because I don't have really the, the foresight to be able to say that. But he came out and played the puck in that first period. There was a a bit where he where he, where he like skated up to like, Above the circles. Yeah, he came out and played it. And I thought to myself, like, wow, what comfort. You know, he feels comfort enough to come out and play that puck. And I thought, what a great uh, just hockey IQ moment for him to kind of show, like, I kind of know what I'm doing here. I'm not just a newbie. Yeah, and, and that's the cool thing about it is, I mean, we see it all the time with young players nowadays. Bowen Byram, when he came in, Kale McCarr, when he came in, they're doing things that defensemen would have never done. We just saw a Trevor Zegras goal. Are you joking? 
Oh my god! That if you did that kind of stuff in the Chris Chelios and Brett Hall area, the air, era, they would have beat you down into the freaking ground. But now these players come in with all this confidence, and you know, Anand is not this random guy off the street. Like he was winning awards in the Finnish league. He was he was the best goalie out there. He's played internationally and, uh, you know, with the Eagles, he had a bit of a rough start and he slowly got more comfortable as the season went on. November was pretty damn good for him. And, you know, he's the guy that we tout as the goalie of the future around here. He's the guy that the Avalanche are hoping to be their guy. You know, they've never really drafted anybody that's had an excellent long career. Peter Budai, David Abisher, Philip Sauvé, Calvin Pickard. These aren't guys that have had, you know, four or 500 win NHL careers. Granted, not many people have, but they need one of those to finally come through their system. And obviously it's this guy that they're hoping is the one. So we'll see what happens with time. He's definitely not ready yet. We can see that clearly he's let in five, what seven goals now in his game and a half that he's played, but he's one Oh and one he's given the avalanche a chance and they're giving him a chance because they're scoring a lot of goals. So, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not concerned about him. He was kind of thrown to the wolves. We talked about this before the Montreal game privately, you, you, me and JJ about how it made sense to go back to Johansson because it made no sense to start this kid after he had just flown into Toronto the day before midway through the game. And it was a back to back where he was not even going to skate with these NHL players and make his career debut. Like it made no sense. It was better for him to, you know, cause obviously there was mo- no morning skate in Montreal. It was better for him to get a practice and do that morning skate and then get a game in Philly. It just, it fit better for the avalanche to do that. And then obviously before the Philly game, he also squeezed into the Ottawa game cause you know, Johansson led in a bunch of goals. So he's been fine. I was, he was, he was not supposed to get called up. He's the fourth string goalie and it's, we're not even two months into the season and the other three guys ahead of him, two got injured and the other one can't, you know, stop a puck suddenly. Like this wasn't supposed to happen so quickly for him, but he's done good given the circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've, I enjoyed watching him play this, especially in the flyers game. There were, there were definitely flashes of just like this, if this is our guy, you know, he's going to have a very successful career in this league. And I've got a lot of high hopes for him for sure. Um, I guess we'll wait and see. Time will only tell, right? But yeah, to get into sure. um, another thing, another kind of surprising stat, and I don't know if it's that surprising in the grand scheme of the whole league, but maybe just surprising on the avalanche is that we got ourselves another shorthanded goal. And that was, of course, um, the one you reminded me of, that Eric Johnson shorthanded goal. And it just feels like maybe this year we have maybe more of those than we would have had in the past. Is that is that how it feels to you, or am I just making that up? Yeah, no, they've already got six of them, and I think they only had five last year. I, I might be getting that wrong, or maybe it was four. There was a stat earlier in the season that came up. It's Logan O'Connor. He's got four points. He has 10 points on the season. Four of them are shorthanded. He's he's the one doing it, him and Darren Helm. They have that ability to read the play and know when it's time to pinch, and when they pinch, they have the speed. They jump up into the play, and what we saw from Eric Johnson yesterday was something that you you know often forget that he has in him when he was at center ice and he saw his ability to jump into the play and suddenly it's a two on one and all he had to do was just wait for the pass. So, yeah. And I think uh, Eric Johnson is like a, he's the safe guy and not safe in that way, but he's the guy you got on the back. He's always going to have your back. He's not going to slip up, but he's also what the guy jumping up into the rush and looking like a forward out there, the way he's shooting, just smooth on those skates. And just, that was an absolute beauty of a goal from him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's there's nothing more we could say about it. The Avalanche's PK is struggling to keep the puck out of their own net, but they're having no issue putting the puck in the other team's net, which <laughs> is ultimately what's happening, you know, 
in all in all aspects of the game right now. They're they're scoring on the power play, which is good. They're scoring at even strength, but they're letting in a lot of goals. Once Kemper's healthy, which looks like it could be soon, once Frankie's back in the NHL, which looks like it could be soon, this team's just got to pick up a couple of things that they're doing defensively as a five-man unit. We always know Bedner talks about his forwards being part of the defense as well. And if they do that, they're going to be good to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I don't have any more to touch on with that game. Uh, I guess it's a really good time to go ahead and tell you guys about our friends over there at Total Beverage. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits. But did you know they deliver? Did you also know they have curbside pickup available? Did you know they did online wine education classes? Well, if you didn't know any of these things... Time to get you to know your boys over at Total Beverage again. Stop by 104th and Thornton or in Sheridan and Westminster and see for yourself. You can always find weekly deals, events, and drink recipes online as well if you don't want to do the in-person thing like me. I ain't much of a person guy. So go ahead. Jump on Total Bev. Everything you need and more. Great guys over there. I've actually popped in since you guys have been doing these uh, Total Beverage ad reads. and um, Yeah, so they got about $9.99. Not... I'm a big spender, Arif, if you didn't know that. I'm a big spender. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I could see that. You're also a big people person. I could see, hey, it's, it's great that you even got your camera on today. You're doing your best JJ impression, and I'm <laughs> loving it. Yeah, he's going to, well, he's probably not going to listen to this because I don't think he likes us very much. But if he does listen, it's just going to be 45 minutes of him laughing at me, I'm sure. <laughs> probably, but hey. I have another pop quiz for you. All right. Shit. I got the first one wrong. Hit me. All right. I got four goals. I got 11 assists. I got 15 points. I got a plus 15 rating. I'm shooting 13%. Those 15 points, they're only in 13 games. Who am I? I don't know that I could get this one wrong, but maybe. I'm going to go Devon Taves. Ding, ding, ding. You're one for one. Love it. Oh, man. I'm not going to—I mean, I'll cut you off for just a second just to let you know that, dude, I am a huge Taze fan. He has been killing it this year, and I can't wait to have your take on this one. All right. So before having this conversation, I did a little bit of homework just to make sure, and I reached out to Chris Johnston over at uh, the Toronto Star and TSN, and I asked him if he knew one way or another, because we already know, I I don't know if you knew this, but Samuel Girard is not on the Team Canada long list for the Olympics. There's no way, no matter what he does, for Sam Girard to make the Olympics this year. So I checked in on Devon Taves and I asked Chris if he knows either way, if he is or isn't. And CJ says it is his understanding that Devon Taves is on Team Canada's long list. So what I present to you and what I present to our audience and JJ somewhere on a cruise in the water, probably drinking something and, 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 you know, I could already see him, you know, Spanish aura sitting there with no shirt and like this gold chain around him, wearing his shades, wearing his little bitch buds in his ears, listening to hockey mountain high. And this is what I want to present to JJ and our audience and you as well. Glass of tequila in his hand. That's, that's the guy. How crazy is it to imagine Team Canada decides if we're taking Kale McCart, it's not even an if. Since we're taking Kale McCart to the Olympics, let's take Devontae's two and just play them together on the same pair. Like you have all these other guys that are going to make it. You know, there's Thomas Shabbat, there's Josh Morrissey, and there's Drew Doughty's in the running. He wants to make it. There's a whole bunch of young defensemen. But Devontae's is the stay at home part of this pair. And he's got 15 points in 13 games, and his defensive numbers are unreal. Kale McCarr's doing his thing. 
why I think they knew this in the summer when they put on when they put Devontae's on the long list. But why would you not take both of those guys, number seven and number eight, play them together? And by the way, if Drew Doughty makes the team, I don't think Kale McCarr is going to wear number eight. But bring those guys together, play them on the same pair, and let them do for Team Canada what they're doing for the Avalanche. I, it's absolutely a recipe for success. Um, like I, I think I mentioned this a little earlier on in this episode, but they're both scored at more than a point per game. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You get Devon Taves, you get Kale McCarr on a pair, and then you get Shea Theodore and Alex Pietrangelo, those shit-ons in Vegas that always beat the Avalanche, on another pair. And then pick your poison. Morgan Riley, Thomas Shabbat, Dougie Hamilton, Aaron Ekblad, Drew Doughty. There's a whole bunch of other guys. Josh Morrissey that you can put on the third pair. Hell, Colton Pareko, uh, Jake Muzzin's kind of got an outside chance. Granted, he hasn't had the best season. Uh, why won't you just have a top four of the pair that's doing it in Vegas and the pair that's doing it in Denver and then just plug and play everybody else around him. And, 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 you know, obviously playing those guys in the top four means Dougie Hamilton or Aaron Eckblad and all these other guys are like, whoa, 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 whoa. We are part of the top four of team Canada. But even if it's your second or your, your third pair or the extra defenseman, bring both of these guys, let them do for team Canada, what they're doing for the avalanche. Let Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo who have, you know, Petrangelo kind of had a rough start to the year, but, you know, he's going to pick up his game. He's already on Team Canada's three-man roster. So I assume he's going to get big minutes already. He'll be wearing an A on his sweater. But when you look at what the Avalanche can send in Taves and Makar to Team Canada, it makes all the sense in the world for Team Canada to bring these guys up together, watch them do their thing, beat Team USA. I'll buy you a Team Canada jersey. I actually got a couple of them in my closet behind <laughs> me. And we can watch Devon Taves, Kale Makar, and Nathan McKinnon all with a gold medal around their neck. Oh, it sounds absolutely great. So I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, and I, I you haven't prepared for this because I didn't even know Look I was. Look at that. You're, you're, you're a rookie, and you already have that confidence. Love I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to ask you a question that I don't know if you know the answer to, but you probably do because you're a hockey nerd, and that's why we love you. But who's the who's that pairing on the on the USA side? So so say that, you know, Devon Taves, uh, Kale McCarr, some of these big names that you're throwing out, on the USA side of things, who are these people that are matching this skill set that that Canada is obviously going to have going into this this year? Because it just seems like maybe it's it's a little bit lopsided. Like maybe the D side of things, Canada is just stacked. Mm, I don't know. USA's got some pretty good guys. We got Adam Fox, who I think you've heard of him. He beat Kale McCarr for the Norris Trophy last year. Charlie McAvoy, Charlie McAvoy, who also was about to you know have his coming out party if he hasn't already. He just signed another, uh, an, an extension in the NHL. Tory Krug is kind of a little bit lower on the on the scale for me. Jacob Slavin from the Carolina Hurricanes. Off the top of my head, Quinn Hughes, Zach Wierenski, uh, John Carlson, Seth Jones. Obviously, a lot of people don't like him much, but they seem <laughs> to have a lot of guys. But the biggest thing, the big four for me, I think, are Adam Fox and Quinn Hughes on the left side and Charlie McAvoy and Jacob Slavin on the right side. And that doesn't even include the fact that Seth Jones was the one that was already named to the team and Zach Wierenski is going to make it too. So I think USA has got a pretty decent decor as well. Um, to be honest with you, in the summer, I thought USA probably has a better D, but 
given what Devon Taves has does has done and kind of like jumped into this conversation, kind of gives Canada a little bit more. And considering the start Morgan Riley's had and and Aaron Ekblad's bounce back from an injury last year that kept him out of the playoffs, Dougie Hamilton doing what he's doing with the Devils, which we were hoping he would do after signing that contract. I think Team Canada had to do a little bit of catching up, and they've done so. But man. Adam Fox and Charlie McAvoy is going to be a hell of a pairing for Team USA. And and Jacob Slavin and Quinn Hughes and Zach Wierenski and John Carlson and Seth Jones and Tori Krug and all these other guys are just sitting behind going, yeah, we'll be there too. Yeah, I was really hoping you'd stumble over that a little bit. And instead, you just you just <laughs> listed off like 12 people and you knew all their names. I, I've been... I, I've been looking at roster projection stuff for the Olympics for, for months. And that doesn't even include the fact that... Uh, not anymore, but Jeff Petrie was having a pretty damn good run with the Canadians last year, and we thought maybe he would get a look. Ryan McDonough, who, you know, is just, you know, casually coming off two Stanley Cups with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he's a veteran, so he'll probably get a look. So there's a lot of guys there. I mean, lower on the scale, you got Brandon Carlo, but I don't think he'll be there given all the other names ahead of him. But, man, USA has not been this skilled in, in, in my lifetime. The 2002 Olympics were probably one of the better USA teams I've seen back in that era with Brett Hall and Chris Chelios and Tony Amonti and all those guys, Chris Drury and Jamie Lang and Bruner and God, all the names, but you just didn't have the names that you have now for the Americans. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Absolutely. So with that being said, um, we've kind of touched on it Well, we've been touching on it for weeks now. You guys have, and I really want to get into what you think makes this avalanche you know team just so hot on offense what is i mean the scoring pace is obviously not something they can keep going throughout you know all the way to march and april but we're obviously scoring goals and the abs are the abs are just scoring almost at will it would seem so i i just want to get your kind of your your thoughts on you know is this kind of scoring pace sustainable I've kind of alluded that maybe I don't think it is. Um, or do you think this is something we're talking about for the next 70 games? So the Avalanche are 22 games into the season. So 60 games obviously are left or the regular, whatever. Yep, yep. You, you get the point. There are 60 games yep. left, but I'm going to read to you a passage of the story that I wrote yesterday after the Philadelphia Flyers game. McKinnon has a single goal and Obviously, I said it earlier, I don't suspect he's going to score on 2% of his shots all season, and I'm not here to trash McKinnon, but the purpose of mentioning that McKinnon has a single goal nearly two months into the season is this. The Avalanche have played 22 games. McKinnon has missed 10. He only has a single goal in the games he's played, yet Colorado still leads the NHL with a whopping 4.14 goals per game. They've scored 91 goals in 22 games. So to put that into perspective, if you take that 4.14 goals per game and you extrapolate it over 82 games, it comes out to 340 goals. So let me start with why that's a big number. Here's the next paragraph. Since the Avalanche's inaugural season, the only team to surpass 340 goals is the 1995-96 Pittsburgh Penguins, and they had 362. Coincidentally, the second highest team in goals since that 95-96 season is none other than the Colorado Avalanche's inaugural team that very same year with 326. So if you think about it, since 1995-1996, the top three scoring teams in a single season, Pittsburgh with 362 that year, the Avalanche with 326 that very same year, and third place, 
the Detroit Red Wings of that same freaking year, 95-96, they had 325, one less than the Avalanche. So if the Avalanche get to 340 goals, they will have the best offense since the year Patrick Wall was traded to the Avalanche nearly 27 years ago. That is mind-blowing. Can they can they keep that pace for 60 games? I don't know. The reason why I mentioned Nathan McKinnon in the beginning is this. Nathan McKinnon has one of those goals. They lost Brandon Saad. They lost Giannis Donskoy. In what world this offseason, when we were talking about all the question marks around the Avalanche offense, did we expect them to have, through 22 games, a pace where they're scoring at the totals that would be the best we've seen in the NHL since 1996. It's it's mind-boggling. Can they keep it up? Who the hell knows? But 22 games is a pretty big sample size to be like, yeah, this is historic. Yeah, there was something in the water uh, or or something in the league in 95-96, it seems like. Everybody was just scoring at will. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the NHL uh, kind of trying to fight back on the fact that the New Jersey Devils just beat the Detroit Red Wings in the cup final in 95. Uh, the Red Wings were this high-flying offense and the Devils were like this nothing defensive team and they beat them and it was the start of probably the worst era in NHL history. The uh, the era where goals were hard to come by and goalies all put up 930s and 940s. You know what's crazy? If you think back to that 95 year, the Stanley Cup final of Detroit versus New Jersey was looked at the same way that the Stanley Cup final last year was looked at of Tampa Bay and Montreal, except imagine Montreal swept Tampa, like swept them in four. That's what happened in 1995. So then you come out in 1996, the Penguins are scoring at will, Yarmar Yager, Mario Lemieux, the Avalanche are scoring at will, this new team that just relocated from Quebec, the Red Wings are scoring at will, they had 62 wins, NHL record, and then you get to the playoffs. The Avalanche beat the Red Wings, obviously, two high-flying offenses, and that was when the rivalry started. But at the other side of the playoff tree, the Pittsburgh Penguins with 362 goals made it to the Eastern Conference Final against this Florida Panthers team that defensively shut them down. So the NHL was trying so hard. These All these teams were like, no, 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 offense wins championships. Suddenly, Florida beats the Pittsburgh Penguins, goes on to the Cup Final, and the Avalanche sweep them. It was... It was a very strange year, but I really like the fact that offense is coming back. 95-96 is also the last time we saw players score at the pace that McDavid and Dreisaitl are scoring in terms of points. So, hey man, if we can get back to that kind of era of hockey, I'm all for it. And and it's going to take the avalanche to keep scoring for them to do it. Yeah, not to get too much on like a philosophical level, but you always hear that coming up amongst not diehard hockey fans, but maybe fans that are just kind of into the game or or people that aren't into the game at all. What do they always say? Well, they don't score enough. It's not an entertaining, hot-to-watch sport. And, you know, us that we've been watching hockey, you know, our whole lives or whatever, we're, we're pretty used to, you know, that's just hockey, baby. But, you know, to get, it would be nice to get back into that era of a lot of offense, a lot of high-scoring games. I feel like that's only just good for the sport. Exactly, and it's it's because... Those are the kind of things that kind of bring players out of that bring fans out of their seats. Those are the kind of things that get players paid. Those are the kind of things that get money into the league. Those are the kind of things that raise the salary cap. I kind of mentioned him earlier, but I want to touch on. I mean, obviously, when your team is scoring four point one four goals per game, pretty much everybody's going to be having a career year. We talked about Logan O'Connor, Kel McCarr, Devon Taves, Sam Gerrard's a little bit behind them with thirteen points in twenty games. Still pretty damn good pace. It's over forty one points at the end of the year. 
But Valerie Nachushkin, I talked about him earlier. He has played 13 games. All the Avalanche do when he's in the lineup is win. I think they've won 10 of those 13 games, or maybe it's 11. I, I, I have lost track at this point. I think it's 11. However, actually, no, it's 10. They lost in Toronto, they lost in Dallas, and they lost the, the first game that he was in. You get the point. Uh, mm. Ottawa was the third one. In his 13 games, he has seven goals and five assists for 12 points. He's obviously shooting at 25%. It's not going to happen all year. But his seven goals are three less than what he had last year and six less than what he had in 2020 when he played 65 games. His point totals with the Avalanche before this year are 27 and 21. He's already got 12. And don't forget, he's missed nine freaking games already. Valerian Nachushkin was drafted the same year as Nathan McKinnon. He was taken nine spots behind him. He's only 26. He'll be 27 by year's end. If you remember, which is very similar to the age that Devon Taves was when he came to the Avalanche, this guy's a late bloomer, but he's a damn good player. He's a UFA at the end of the year. We see the New York Islanders reeling right now. My hot take that I'm going to mention on this podcast, I will mention it again in the summer, and J.J. Jerez is going to be like, I don't remember when you said that. It's going to be because it was on the episode when you were on a cruise somewhere and God knows where. Valeri Nichushkin is underratedly one of the more important pieces of the Avalanche's team because of the two-way game he plays that if the Avalanche let him walk in the summer, they're going to feel the effects of it the way the Islanders did with letting Devon Taves go. And I think that this guy, the sky's the limit for him in terms of the fact that he has not reached his potential yet. It's very normal for 26-year-olds, 27-year-olds to reach their peak. They're called late bloomers. We have one in Taves doing it this year. The Avalanche got to re-sign this guy. He's a big part of their team at both ends of the ice. But most importantly, to touch on what you said a couple minutes ago to get a little philosophical, Valeri Nichushkin doing what he's been doing defensively isn't going to sell tickets. But when he's doing what he was doing defensively and putting up 12 points in every 13 games, well, now you got a keeper. And now you got a guy that's going to put butts in seats. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really can't say enough about Nichushkin. There was a, a moment in the season, I think the three of us were... Um, we're talking about it or maybe texting about it. And like this team lives and dies with how Nichushkin plays. And obviously, you know, that isn't across the board and it isn't set in stone or anything like that. You know, the numbers can, can be fudged a little bit here and there, but it does seem like how he plays and when he's on the ice, this team is obviously better. It, it is no denying it. He is. A wait, 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 wait. I remember that conversation and we actually talked about two players and it's actually hilarious. We said Nichushkin and Taves. And here we are talking about them again. It's, it's, those are the two guys, man. It's Nichushkin and Taves. It's, it's one at the offense, one at the defense. It's what they bring to this team. I, I vividly remember that conversation because we had it when they were both out of the lineup and the avalanche were struggling. Absolutely. And you see, as soon as Nichushkin gets back in the lineup, there's a jolt of, of just energy around this guy and, and it almost is like the team was just saying, ah, we were just waiting for our guys to come back and now we're going to turn it on. But no, I, I think that, you know, he isn't the Nathan McKinnon of the team. He isn't the guy that you talk about in that he's going to put the team on his back and take you to a cup or something like that. But he's just that he works hard. He's he's always in the right spots. It seems like he's that I'm going to get down and dirty and I'm going to score the goals that aren't pretty, but I'm going to do it looking pretty. And I just, I can't say enough about Nishushkin. He's absolutely on fire this year. He is, and I think he's going to keep it up. And, and and shout out to him, even though whenever I see him in Cherry Creek, he uh, 
tends to look the other way and keep walking because the guy just does not like talking to people because his English is not the best, which is fine. I get it. But uh, no, no, no. It's just you. It's people just, just don't like you. He's like, I heard your single podcast, you fucking idiot. You're talking to yourself for 45 minutes. But no, no man. if it was up to me, I'd have just canceled. I'd have just said no episode. But you went ahead and just talked to yourself for a whole hour, <laughs> huh? No, I'm and just he, kidding. Oh, that's great. But no, I mean, he's 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 awesome. And, and, and I think it's it's about a sure thing for the Avalanche that they need to re-sign this guy as it is when we talk about guys like Nazem Kadri, who, you know, earlier in the season and, and still is right now, like he hasn't slowed down when we were talking about how important he is to this team. But with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. Look at us. We're tag teaming the ad reads that JJ usually does in one fell swoop. Football fans, I'm sure there's some football fans out there. I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL and the NHL, you'll be winning once a single team scores a single point. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. And actually, let me touch on that a little bit. It goes for the NHL too. Remember we were in Toronto as soon as Darcy Kemper went out? What did JJ text us? He said, as soon as I found out Darcy's not playing against this red-hot offense, I went ahead and parlayed the over with Toronto winning on the puck line. Lo and behold, the over hit, and so did the puck line. So you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code MHS this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Of the NFL, sorry. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. So here's where I want to take this from here, just because we're, you know, cutting it close with how long this podcast is going. The Avalanche are going to wrap up their five-game road trip, their longest of the season tomorrow at Madison Square Garden in New York against the Red Hot Rangers team. Before we look ahead to that, though, let me kind of breeze through some of the injury updates we've seen since the Avalanche's road trip started. So obviously, Kadri and Makar missed that game in Ottawa, and they came back the very next game. So that was good. Pavel Francouz was sent down to the AHL at the start of this road trip. He played two games against the Tucson Roadrunners. He lost the first one four to one. He looked like he was kind of getting his feet back under him. And then on the second leg of that back-to-back, he posted a four-to-nothing shutout. So Frankie's in the AHL. He's on that conditioning stint. JT Comfer's getting close. Darcy Kemper, according to Jared Bednar, he said it this morning on the Altitude Radio Show since the Az aren't practicing. He says that Kemper is likely going to be good to go for tomorrow against the New York Rangers. So we'll see. By the time you guys are listening to this, I'm sure the Avalanche's morning skate would have already taken place. It's going to be at 9.30 a.m. Mountain Time out at Madison Square Garden. So we'll probably have an update after that on Kemper likely starting. Bowen Byram was unfortunately sent home. It is head related, but Bednar confirmed that it's not a concussion. So it could be many other things, but it's not a concussion. That's good news. But, you know, best wishes to to Bowen Byram. Obviously, we want to see him play. He's been having an excellent year. We're talking about this defense and how offensively gifted they are. And we didn't even talk about the fact that this guy would win the rookie of the year if he was healthy. So... A lot of good things there. JT Comfer is getting close. Darcy Kemper is probably going to play. Pavel Francouz is getting close. So, 
you know, it kind of brings up the question of when do you call up Pavel Francouz, given the fact that Kemper's coming back, you likely want to see Ananen and Johansson back in the AHL. So I'll ask you first, and then I'll tell you what my opinion is. But when do you call up Pavel Francouz from this conditioning stint? Yesterday. And I, <laughs> I, I, but no, in all seriousness, obviously this little, um, he's had some time in the AHL and he is, uh, it's probably much needed. Every time that I'm like, just play Francois or play Kemper or just, you know, get JJ out of the lineup or whatever. And I usually have to have you text and be like, dude, calm down. Jojo's not as bad as you're making him out to be. And, and so I'm always saying like, get him out of the lineup and get these big guys back in. Um, but Obviously, very, very wise, putting him down to the AHL. Um, I, but to give you a serious answer, I would say four games. If you, could, if you could hit him with four games in the AHL, I'd feel pretty comfortable him coming back. Well, he's halfway there in the Avalanche. You know, they played Friday and Saturday. It's now Tuesday, so they've had a couple days off, but they have a few more days off. They play Friday and Saturday again against the Bakersfield Condors, the Oilers AHL team. So... If you ask me, let him play both those games again. It's a back-to-back, sure, but he's had five days off and he hasn't played since the friggin' bubble. Obviously, he played a preseason game. Let him play those two games. If all goes well with his health, if all goes well with his play, bring that baby up the very next day. The Avalanche, between now and then, they're going to play the New York Rangers. They're going to host the Detroit Red Wings on Friday. And then by then, by the time the... uh, the Eagles play Friday and Saturday. The Avalanche will be prepping for a home game Sunday versus the Panthers. And then they get the Rangers on Tuesday during those few games right there. And then they're going to travel to Nashville and play the Preds in those three games. He should be the backup. And in one of them, he might even be ready to start, man. Like, let's get Pavel Francouz back in the freaking NHL. Let's get this guy back. And, you know, I, 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 I say a lot of good things about Jonas Johansson, but I always throw in the asterisk. As a third-string goalie, he's good at blank. He's not your backup goalie. If Pavel's ready to rock, man, let's get Jonas and let's get Eustace back in the AHL. Let them win a cup in the in the in the minor league, win a Calder Cup, and let the Avalanche ride their two goalies. So, if you ask me, we should probably be seeing Pavel Francouz, assuming goal goes well this week. In about a week from today, he should be already back as the backup goalie for the Avs when they host the Rangers. Throwing a little bow on that, I you know I spend a fair part of our conversations um, talking bad about JoJo and and really just talking bad about our goaltending in general. And really, uh, you know, when I sit down and think about it, these are young guys, you know, JoJo, um, and and obviously I don't know, he's very very young. And so these are guys that are just finding themselves in that net. These are guys that are finding their game and finding their place and learning this defense. And you know, I'm quick to. So, you know, jump down his throat and say he's not having a good game. He's not having a good start this year, um, but he's finding it. He's showed flashes, and this is JoJo I'm talking about. Um, and he absolutely has proven why he deserves to be the third string goalie for this for this score. He shouldn't. He he was not supposed to start against Toronto. Um, he wasn't supposed to start against Ottawa either. He wasn't supposed to play four or five straight games or whatever the hell it was. Like he. He played way more games than he should have. He had to be called upon twice because for some reason, Darcy Kemper's skates were glued on by a first grader. And like, he's doing what the Avalanche asked him to do, even if it's at the most inopportune times. So shout out to him, man. He's doing what he can to provide the value that he can to this team. But if Frankie gets healthy, which he is, and if Frankie starts to play his game, 
bring him back up to the NHL, let him and Kemper play a more 60-40 role, ride the hot goalie. If Kemper's not the hot goalie, ride Frankie and vice versa. And let's get some health in that crease for once in like three years. Oh, definitely, man. So with that, let's go ahead and look ahead a little bit. Obviously, we're looking at the Rangers game tomorrow. Um, you know, and that if we could get that dub, it, we're, we're looking at a pretty good road trip for the Avalanche. And uh, so let's let's kind of preview that game a little bit. What are you looking to see against the Rangers? What do you think the Avs got to do to come home with that win? Well, the Rangers are 16-4-3. and three. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10, and they've won six straight. They're pretty good. They are obviously... Okay, so I, I have to say that there's a little bit of a asterisk there. Right now, they're in the second period of a 2-2 two to two game with the Chicago Blackhawks. So that could go either way, and it could either be seven straight wins or it could be a loss. The big thing for the Avalanche is your offense is on fire right now, and Igor Shesterkin is out. Georgiev hasn't had the best season. So what I think the Avalanche need to do is take advantage of a team that has their own goaltending issues right now is the fact that Georgiev is not having a great year. He's suddenly going to have to play games back-to-back nights considering that they're playing the Blackhawks today and the Avalanche tomorrow. You got to pepper that guy. You got to score more than the Rangers, who, by the way, are not shy to scoring goals themselves. I think it comes at a really good time. I'm not saying the Avalanche couldn't beat the Rangers if it wasn't a back-to-back and if it wasn't against uh, Igor Shosturkin, but this just makes it a little bit easier for them. And if they come up with a victory here, the three one and one on this road trip that we've been talking about them kind of being so like up and down and so so in it, and they might come home with a three and one three one and one record, which is good any way you shake it, and especially when you consider the fact that you don't have your starting goalie or your backup for the first four of those games. I completely agree with you that the the way to beat the Rangers here would be to absolutely just annihilate on offense and and just know that your defense is is your core. And they're the lifeblood of this team, and, and you can rely on them. And we need to put another seven goals on these guys, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's probably what it's going to take. Uh, the funny thing is, and I'll close with this, and we can put an end to this beauty of an episode without JJ. Um, and that's why it is the beauty, JJ. But uh, no, I'm, I'm sitting here literally still sweating. <laughs> I'm so nervous that I sound like an idiot. It's all good. It's all <laughs> Can't good. Can't wait to have you back, JJ. <laughs> so. The Rangers play tonight. The Avalanche get them tomorrow. The Red Wings play Thursday against the Blues. The Avalanche get them at home on Friday. So the next two Avalanche games are going to be against teams coming off of a back to, well, coming off of the first game of a back to back. These are two victories that should be scheduled victories. One of them's against a very good team. The other one's against a very surprisingly better than we thought they would be Red Wings and especially hot recently team. So if you're the Avalanche, you got some good competition coming, but Darcy Kemper's coming back. Kale McCarr, Devon Taves, all these guys are scoring at will. Kadri's putting up points. McKinnon's assisting on everybody and their mother's goals. You got to beat both these teams, but let's start with the Rangers. I think they could do it. Yeah, definitely. So I think uh, with that being said, we'll uh, probably close it up here, guys. I, uh, I don't, I'm not going to do a whole bunch of fancy exit words like he would normally do and put a bow on the If pod- you made it this far in the podcast... Bless your little hearts. Hockey is for everyone. Patrick and Arif, we out you.